got this little thing for my phone. Oh, isn't that cool? Now I can put my notes on my phone and it doesn't look uh, kind of weird. But just in case, I always print my notes because uh, I don't trust these devices. So uh, we call this Easter Sunday, right? Yeah, what's another name for Easter Sunday? Resurrection Sunday. But do you know what? Uh, Pastor Craig brings this up quite often. Every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Amen? That's why we meet on Sunday. We meet on Sunday, and not every church does. Some churches have Saturday services, and people go on Saturday. We have another church that's meeting in here, uh, and they're just getting started, and they're meeting on Sunday night. We used to meet on Sunday night. But many churches, and this goes all the way back to the first century, meet on Sunday morning, and that's because Sunday morning was the day that Jesus rose from the dead. He died on Good Friday. Uh, we call it Good Friday because it's good for us. Jesus died for our sins and provided us access into the kingdom of God. Uh, Romans 4.25 said he died for our transgressions. He died because of our transgressions. Transgression, what is that? That means that you disobeyed God. You crossed the line. God drew a line and you stepped across the line. That's a transgression. I think that uh, the New American Standard, the uh, updated version, which do you guys like my new Bible? Brand new. Oh, I love the smell of a new Bible. It makes me so happy. <laughs> I really like it. Um, they like to, the, the updated version of New American Standard, which is very literal, by the way, and I can highly recommend it, uh, uses the word wrongdoing. Well, that's easier for us to understand, right? He died on the cross for our wrongdoing, and then it says, and he was raised for or because of our justification. Jesus died and made things right with God for you and I. Therefore, there's no more need for you to die forever if you're in Christ. Amen? Right. Stick your thumb up like this. Hold your hand out like this. When you let Jesus come into your life, this is what happens. He comes into your life. And when you are in Christ, you have eternal life. Amen? That's what the scripture teaches. That's what Resurrection Sunday is about. So if you have a really short attention span, that's pretty much the sermon right there. Um, uh, there are people, though, that have a hard time believing in our, in our era, in our age, in our time period. Um, there's so much talk going on out there. Uh, talk on Twitter, talk on Facebook, you know, videos on TikTok and YouTube and Instagram. And we're all talking, it seems, but not everybody is equally informed. Would you agree? In fact, many people are informed from a particular perspective, but they have no research to back that perspective up. They're just repeating what they've heard. And it doesn't matter if you consider yourself this political party or that political party, because I'm not talking about what you think I'm talking about. If you think I'm talking about politics here, I think that many times what happens is we just repeat what we've heard and uh, well, we don't want to do the research ourselves. We don't want to go into it. We don't want to deal with it. So I'm going to help you this morning very briefly because I don't intend to go long. Easter Sunday is a time when so many of us show up. Not, uh, not all of us attend church on a regular basis, and I'm not uh, jumping on you about that. You might not be used to listening to somebody talk for a long period of time. So I'm going to try to get to it and get rolling and get you guys on out of here. Um, we do have an outline, and if you have a bulletin, you can follow along, and uh, the outline will appear up here. Uh, my wonderful ladies that do tech up there will be helping you to follow along. Or, as Pastor Craig said, if you get the YouVersion Bible app, and by the way, if you just go to your app store or whatever it's called in your version of a, uh, of a phone or mobile device, and you type in Bible, it's probably the first app you're going to come to. And it has so many resources. Uh, they don't charge anything. It's uh, a ministry of a church up in Oklahoma, and there's 
half a billion people have downloaded this app. So very worth your time because then everywhere you take this mobile device, you will have a Bible with you. That's amazing, isn't it? Okay, I used to carry around like a little pocket Bible and I had them in my car and so forth. But now, as long as I have my phone with me, I've got a Bible with me, right? I used to see these questions uh, on social media. You know, do you spend as much time on your, in your Bible as you do on your phone? And I said, well, my Bible's on my phone, so... You know, uh, that's, a, that's a good thing for you. But uh, as Pastor Craig said, if you go to events on the Bible app, you can follow the, this outline as well, all right? So number one, the resurrection of Jesus is historical, not hysterical. All right, so sometimes we say, that's hysterical, and we mean it's funny. But hysteria is a massive psychological upheaval where people just kind of bleh, go in the same direction, right? Or there can be hysteria, you know, with one person or a small group of people. But basically, it's not factual. It's not actual. Um, it is reactionary. That person or those people are reacting to something. And it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the reality whatsoever, except for my personal existential reality. But the resurrection of Jesus wasn't existential in the sense that it was subjective to the people that saw it. It was objective. It was real. It is real. Jesus literally rose from the dead. It's not just a symbol. It's not something that we're going to call a metaphor or a simile. Uh, it actually happened. Jesus bodily rose from the dead. That is why we have Easter. That's why we're still, you know, worshiping the Lord Jesus, right? Our faith rises and falls on the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Without the bodily resurrection of Jesus, well, you know what the Apostle Paul said? He said, if Jesus has not been raised from the dead, then we of all people are most to be pitied. You know what he said or what he meant by what he said? Or maybe I could just say, um, you already understand what he meant. I'll just use a different word. We're pathetic. Why are we here? Well, sure, it's fun to gather together and we fed those that got here by nine-ish. Um, the kids ran around out there. I think Pastor Craig told me there were something like 1,500 Easter eggs hidden out there. Uh, one kid's Easter basket was so full, I had to give him a bag so he could unload it and reload it. So sure, <laughs> those are good reasons. That's a lot of fun. But I don't think we would be here without the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, atheists tried to do a thing called the Atheist Assembly for a while, where they just kind of gathered together. I don't know what they sang about. Um, I really don't. No disrespect if you consider yourself an atheist. I just don't think I'd be going to an atheist church. You say, well, of course, because you're not. No, I wouldn't go to church at all if I wasn't a Christian. I really wouldn't. I'm not a fan of religion. So um, the earliest confession of faith in, is found in the Scripture, and it dates to between two and five years of the actual events. And it's found in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 5, or you can continue down to verse 8. I taught on this on Wednesday in our Bible study because we're actually in the resurrection chapter, which is 1 Corinthians 15. And I taught on this particular passage. But it goes something like this. The Apostle Paul said, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and on the third day He rose according to the Scriptures. Now that's the basic kernel. And that the Apostle Paul received that within two years of his own conversion. So this was already getting passed around everywhere. So those who would contend that the resurrection of Jesus was some sort of legend that arose 40 or 50 years later have to contend with that passage, among many other things. 
So um, if you're following along in your outline, what that scripture says is letter A, Jesus died on the cross. You say, well, duh. But our Muslim friends do not believe that. They do not believe Jesus died on the cross. And uh, Muhammad, who was born in 570 and ostensibly uh, purportedly started receiving some sort of revelations along about 610, and then the Quran was written somewhere later because uh, Muhammad was actually not able to write, so he related that to those who wrote it down. But what we're talking about is uh, a, a document that came around 500 years after uh, the events, or actually after the earliest document that we possess of the New Testament, and 550 years or 600 years, depending on when it was actually written down, later than the events that were described. Now, Muslims believe that there is a Jesus. They believe he was a prophet. They would even call him Messiah, but they don't believe he died on the cross. They don't believe that he was the son of God. So their conception of Jesus is very different. However, we're looking at a piece of oral tradition that was written down by the Apostle Paul somewhere in the vicinity of 53 to 56 AD, and he is relating something that he received about 30 years before that, because he doesn't say, hey, I'm telling you this. He said, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That means he was passing along the news, right? They didn't have mobile devices and texting and all that back then. They literally orally passed that along to one another. Jesus died on the cross. That's a fact. Even the most skeptical uh, scholars will admit Jesus existed as a historical person, and Jesus died under Pontius Pilate at the hand of the Romans. So that's letter A. B, Jesus was buried. Now, I'll, I went into detail about why that's important on Wednesday, but the empty tomb is something that you have to contend with. And it's easy to say, well, there was no empty tomb because Jesus was never buried. Uh, in fact, skeptical scholar Bart Ehrman has said, well, he believes that Jesus was just tossed out in a field and devoured by dogs. And yet the earliest historical documents that we possess clearly indicate that Jesus was entombed. We need to know that because it clearly helps us to understand that Jesus did indeed die on the cross and that there was an empty tomb by the third day. And that's letter C, Jesus rose from the dead. And of course, that is what Easter is about. It's not spiritual uh, in the sense that uh, it's, it's you know, symbolic or mental or something like that. Um, it is a literal fact that Jesus was bodily raised from the dead. And then the, the same passage that I've been quoting to you goes into detail and it says, he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, right? His number one uh, apostle who uh, actually denied him three times. He appeared to Peter and then he appeared to the 12. And if we look at the, at the scriptural account, we look at the synoptic gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, or we look at John, we see, yes, indeed, uh, Jesus appeared, actually he appeared to Mary Magdalene first, and they didn't respect women that much back then, uh, but it, is, uh, it speaks well of Christianity that uh, they went ahead and put the women receiving the testimony and passing it along at, uh, uh, in all of the Gospels. But here in this confession of faith that is passed along, it, it focuses on Peter Cephas, right? It says, that uh, Jesus appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. So the night after the uh, resurrection, okay, that Sunday night, Jesus appeared physically, bodily, in front of all of these twelve. Uh, we have in uh, the Gospel of John the account that Jesus, that uh, Thomas was missing, but Jesus appeared the following Sunday, and he, uh, 
Thomas was there at that point as well. Uh, this confession doesn't say how many times Jesus appeared to the 12. It just says that he appeared to the 12. So we know he appeared to the 12 uh, on a number of occasions. So he appeared to them. He had appointed them as apostles, and an apostle is a delegate. It's an ambassador. It's somebody you send out to represent you. He appointed them to go out and say, yes, we saw Jesus resurrected from the dead. Here's what he did in his life, but he was literally raised from the dead. So to doubt this is to doubt history. And really, there is more historical backing to the resurrection of Jesus than there are to many facts that we would adhere to. Um, and uh, I won't go into a lot of detail there. I'm just going to lay the facts out before you. Um, so Cephas, and then to the 12. And then it says he appeared to more than 500 brothers at the same time. And the Apostle Paul writing in around 53, 56 AD said, many of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. And then he said he appeared to James. Well, you're probably familiar with the James of the James and John fame, but this was a different James. This was the half-brother of Jesus who became the first pastor of the Jerusalem church who wrote the book uh, with his title in the New Testament, James. He appeared to James. And then the apostle Paul said, and last of all, as to one untimely born, as to one born at the wrong time, he means, he appeared to me. Now he appeared to, to the apostle Paul after he ascended and he appeared to the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. So uh, it's very important that we get this down. This is what we're understanding. Um, now, let's step away from the scripture. I'm giving you the, the, the biblical account here, okay? I've um, made the clear case that this is historical. This is not uh, symbolic. It's actually happened. But we have to admit that people don't come back from to life. They don't come back from the dead after they've been dead for three days. All right. Certainly we have these near death experiences where someone dies for several minutes. Uh, we have a, a gentleman in this room that died for several minutes. Uh, some of them, you know, th there have been accounts of people that have died for several hours and then they came back to life. Well, uh, there's all sorts of uh, physical reasons, biological reasons for that. But after someone has been dead, for as long as Jesus was dead. Now, three days doesn't mean that Jesus uh, was dead for three 24-hour periods. He died shortly before sundown. Uh, he died at 3 p.m. on Nisan 14, which that year, or Nisan, which that year was uh, on a Friday. That's Good Friday. They put him in the tomb uh, before sunset, sometime before 7 o'clock, uh, before it went into Nisan 15, and Jesus was in the tomb the entirety of the next day. That's Saturday. And then for them, Saturday turned to Sunday. Uh, Nisan 16, this would be. It turned to Sunday that evening, what we would call evening. We say it turns to the next day at midnight. They said it turns to the next day at sundown. And so Jesus is still in the tomb at sundown. Now it's going into Sunday. Now we go past midnight, what we would call Sunday. Now it goes into the early morning hours of Sunday. And sometime in those early morning hours, Jesus miraculously rose. Okay. Well, that's minimum 36 to 39 hours. Um, people don't rise from the dead naturally after that period of time. Um, so I think we should understand that what happened with Jesus is scientifically impossible. You say, wow, you're depressing, Pastor. You're supposed to be encouraging us. You, you should understand that. People don't get up from the dead. It's scientifically impossible. 
However, we're talking about a miracle here. You do understand that, right? We're talking about a suspension of the laws of nature. We're talking about the God who called the universe into existence ex nihilio. That means out of nothing. Do you think he's capable of raising someone from the dead? Yes. So what you have to do is you have to back all the way up and say, do I believe that God created the universe? And if you would say no, then it's probable you don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. You have to back all the way up and say, do I believe that miracles are possible? Is God the one who called the universe into existence ex nihilio, out of nothing, out of his own resources is what that really means. Out of nothing means there was no previous uh, matter and energy. He brought that into existence from his own power, his own resources. Can that God suspend the laws of nature that he wrote? Yeah. Can that God who gives life, give life back to his son? Yeah. Okay. So number four, the resurrection of Jesus is not natural. It's not normal. In other words, people don't normally rise from the dead. It's miraculous. It's supernatural. So in the end, people who don't believe in the supernatural to begin with don't want to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And I understand your problem is metaphysical, not historical. But see, you still have to go back and explain why Christianity rose, arose, okay? When these people were being persecuted right and left, why wouldn't they just let it go, right? Unless they were confronted with this truth and this reality that their Savior, their Messiah, their Lord literally rose from the dead and, more importantly for us anyway, offered us the same hope, right? So, further, number five, human beings are not immortal. We're not naturally immortal. The only natively, naturally, inherently, intrinsically immortal being is God. Listen to this scripture, 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen, has ever seen or can see, to him be the honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Jesus received this gift from his Father. Jesus was one with the Father. Jesus conquered death because you can't put down the one who is the author of life. You and I are naturally mortal. We all die. Now, we have this Greek mentality, though. Our metaphysic is sort of Greek. And that is that, well, you physically die, but somehow your spirit or your mind goes on somewhere else. That is the gift of God. Eternal life is the gift of God. You receive that gift. What God does with a human being after death is up to him. Well, according to the scripture, uh, those who are in Christ will be raised incorruptible and they will live in the presence of God forever, in the kingdom of God, in heaven, okay? And those who have died outside of Christ, they'll also be raised. Bear in mind, God is going to give them life again for this period of time where he judges them and then he separates them from himself in eternal destruction in hell. You don't live on naturally. You're not going to just close your eyes and naturally live on somewhere else unless you receive the gift of eternal life from the resurrected Jesus right now. Then you can know that when you close your eyes, you will open your eyes in the presence of Almighty God. God is the only one who is inherently immortal, 
And if you are going to be immortal, you will have to receive eternal life as a gift from God. You're not going to just naturally live on in your own private heaven somewhere eternally. We're making things up in our head to comfort ourselves, right? So then we need to understand, number six, that the resurrected body of Jesus is not identical with his crucified body. Initially, when people encountered Jesus, they didn't always recognize him at first. Well, you know, to be honest, those that had seen him during the what we call the Passion, and a, a few of us showed up and watched the Passion of the Christ on Friday, I mean, he was beaten until he was unrecognizable. Well, the only wounds that we know that remained on the resurrected body of Jesus so that we'll know it's the same Jesus was the, the wounds in his hand or probably in his wrist, okay, and in his feet and in his side. And we know that because in the Gospel of John, as I mentioned just a moment ago, Thomas was the doubter. He showed up the next Sunday and he had said, hey, unless he shows me the wounds and I can stick my finger into the holes in his hand, I'm not going to believe. Well, Jesus showed up and said, here it is, Thomas. These are the wounds. Put your hand here. And Thomas at that point didn't need to see anymore or do anymore. He said, my Lord and my God, greatest confession of faith in all the scripture. But Jesus didn't commend him for it. Jesus said, you say because you see. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe, right? So we should understand that Jesus' resurrected body is a transformed body. And by the way, it, it's not a was, it is. Jesus is still in a resurrected body. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 15, this is verses 42 through 45. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown perishable, what is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. So yes, spiritual and body can be the same thing. A lot of times when we think of spiritual, we think of something non-corporeal, right? You know, uh, you know, like an idea, like a ghost. Well, Jesus appeared to the disciples and they were, they were scared. And he said, look, 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 just reach out and touch me. He said, I'm not a ghost. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones as you see I have. So he had a spiritual body, but a body that is capable of continuing to live on forever. You have to have that kind of body if you're going to live on forever. You're not going to live eternally as some disembodied spirit floating about uh, in, the, in the stars. Okay, The kingdom of God is a real kingdom. It's a real place. Jesus is the real king. We're going to be his real subjects. We're going to have real resurrected bodies, and we're going to live together forever. Boy, that's something, isn't it? We're going to live together forever. We better start learning to get along, huh? All right. The same resurrection, then, number seven, can, be, uh, can become a reality for you if you believe in Jesus and receive his spirit. You see, the scripture says Jesus was the firstborn from among the dead. Listen to this. Uh, this is Romans 8, 9 through 11. You, however, the apostle Paul is writing to Romans who, he, uh, who are believers. He said, you, however, are not in the flesh. That's the natural but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. If you don't have Jesus' spirit living in you, and that's the Holy Spirit, by the way. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it is the Holy Spirit that brings the presence of Christ into you. He says, if, uh, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, 
you, however, are not in the, in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, your body is going to die. That's all there is to it. Now, you know, there is a disclaimer or an exclusion here, a caveat. If Jesus returns before you physically die, then you'll be transformed. Okay? But short of that, you're going to die. If you want to close your eyes in this life and open your eyes in the presence of God, having that gift of eternal life, having peace, having comfort, being like the thief on the cross, we call him the thief. We don't know what he did. He was a criminal on the cross who said, Lord, remember me in your kingdom uh, when you come into your kingdom. In spite of the fact that he was being crucified and enduring the excruciating pains of death. And here's Jesus right next to him. He still believed that Jesus was the real thing and was going to come into a kingdom. And he said, I believe in you. Remember when you, me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Amen? Today. When you close your eyes in death, if you know Jesus, then today, that day, you will be with him in paradise. That's what I want, my friend. Death is a tragic thing. It's a terrible enemy. People that want to deceive themselves, dupe themselves into believing that death is just sleep and, you know, that death is a door. Listen, death is a doorway to destruction unless you have Jesus. If you have Jesus, then death is a doorway into eternal life. But you've got to have Jesus, the one who overcame death. Jesus conquered death. You need that conquering hero to live inside of you so that you can live on forever, right? So we need to receive Christ. We need to receive his spirit because if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. So finally, this isn't in your outline, but the, the last point in my outline today, we who believe will be transformed to become like Jesus. He's the firstborn from among the dead and the firstborn from among many brothers. That's Colossians 1.18 and Romans 8.29 and also Revelation 1.5. Um, here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 15.20. I sent this out as our memory verse this morning, which by the way, if you want to start getting uh, Bible passages from me, I send out a verse every day with a link to the Bible app so you can read the whole thing. Text the words daily Bible, like one word, one phrase, daily Bible, no spaces, to 94000, and you'll automatically start getting these from me. But this morning, I texted um, 1 Corinthians 15.20. But the fact is, the fact is, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Well, that's what they call those that died. Because, you know, if you have Jesus and you have eternal life, it's like your body is sleeping right? And then there will be a resurrection and you'll be in the presence of God. So this sermon has been very simple, not very groundbreaking. I have just wanted to emphasize that we have the hope of eternal life only because of Jesus. I've done a lot of funerals uh, as a pastor and I tell people, I can't offer you any other hope. You may make yourself believe that you will go on living forever somehow. You may disagree with me. That's fine. That's your privilege. That's your prerogative. But I will tell you, Jesus is the only one who has ever conquered death. He's the only one who has ever overcome death. Even the people that Jesus raised from the dead while he was on earth died again. 
Jesus raised, uh, there was a widow from a town called Nain, and they were taking her son out. He had died. They were taking him out in a casket, and Jesus stopped the casket, touched the boy, and told him to rise, and he did. But you know, he was resuscitated. He wasn't permanently resurrected. He died again. Jesus raised a little girl who was the daughter of a synagogue leader. She was 12 years old. She had died. Jesus said, we have the Aramaic that is preserved in the synoptics. He went into the little girl's room and he said, Talitha kumi, little girl, I say to you, rise. And this dead 12-year-old sat up and took a breath and sneezed. That's what it says. That's awesome. I love it. You know, the Bible's all about details, isn't it? But she died again later. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead after Lazarus had been dead four days. That's serious right there. Okay, when you've been dead four days, you know you're dead. You're not like naturally rising again. You're dead. Right, he was in a tomb. He'd been dead so long that Jesus said, roll away the stone and his practical sister, Martha, said, Lord, but there will be a smell. And that's dishonoring. She didn't want her brother's memory to be dishonored right? They didn't have the embalming techniques that we have today. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they pushed away the stone. And then Jesus said, Lazarus, I say to you, Lazarus, I say to you, come forth. And that dead man came out of the tomb. He was wrapped in grave clothes and he came out probably kind of hopping. And Jesus said, unwrap him and let him go. And Jesus actually had a meal at Mary and Martha and Lazarus's house right? The two sisters and their brother. And people came from miles around to see this miracle that Jesus had worked. But Lazarus died again. Jesus has never died again. Jesus will never die again. And when you are raised by Jesus on the other side of this uh, resurrection, right? On the other side of his victory at Calvary, you will never die again. The question is, are you willing to believe? Now, here's where it ends. And this is where you get an opportunity to respond. This is what the Bible says. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord. Can you say that? That means you're saying he's above me. He's above everyone. In fact, I'm connecting him to God. If you say with your mouth, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart you believe and you are made righteous, you're justified. With the mouth you confess and so are saved. If you are willing to confess that Jesus is Lord, and if you really do believe, that Jesus rose from the dead, he died on the cross, he rose from the dead, then you will be saved and you can know that you have eternal life. Now, it doesn't stop there. That's the beginning. I made this confession of faith public when I was 16 years old. It was Easter Sunday of 1978. I, was, I had just turned 16 years old a couple of weeks earlier. I got to drive the family pickup truck to North Phoenix Baptist Church. I went forward wearing my disco clothes because it was the disco era. I had three-inch platform heels. I had a fake silk shirt because I couldn't afford a real one. I had pants that were too tight here, and they 
were billowy at the bottom here with these bell bottoms, right? And I went forward and I confessed my faith in Jesus the very next Sunday I was baptized. And I've been following Jesus ever since. Not perfectly, but I haven't quit. I've had problems. I've had people that have made me doubt the church. I don't think I've ever doubted God, not since then. But I've had people that have made me doubt the church, people that have made me doubt ministers. I've had church members that have shown me that they can be meaner than anybody out on the street. But I don't follow church members. I don't follow the church. I follow Jesus. And I gather together with other imperfect people and we express the church. That's what we're expressing this morning, the church, the gathered together. So if you hear this call from God to come out of the world and worship the one true God, then I would invite you one last scripture. Romans 10, 13 says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. I invite you to call out to Jesus today. Tell him you believe in him and invite him to come into your life and be your Lord and be your savior.